are listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast from the Pierre L. Morissette Institute for Entrepreneurship at the Ivy Business School. In this series, Ivy Entrepreneur and Ivy faculty member Eric Jansen will anchor the session. Alan, thanks so much for coming in. Good to get to hang out with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always good to have you at the school. I wanted to spend a little bit of time, so this is part of our Hustle and Grit series, and I wanted to spend a lot of time today on motivation. You've got such an interesting and winding story, but I wanted to actually start with, there was an article in the, I believe it was the Toronto Star from 2017, and you were quoted a whole bunch, and the title of the article was, The Problem with Reaching Your Career Goal. Can you paint us a picture for where were you at when you were, call it, 25 or 30 years old pick an interesting time in your life where were you at yeah i can i can reflect and and uh and relate to being 30 very closely i'm I'm 35 now and i remember being 30 i was living in singapore i'd been working for google for just maybe just over a handful of years Uh, google was in a lot of ways my dream job like i went to computer camp as a kid and again i'm 35 so going to computer camp as a kid at that time was not cool right this was this was a scenario that i remember my parents actively trying to limit the amount of time i went to computer camp they're like okay we'll trade you like 2 weeks at computer camp for 4 weeks at baseball camp like, i i loved i loved this stuff and i got this job at google google.com/jobs applied for a job got this job at the time i moved from new york to san francisco I was in San Francisco a couple of years, moved to Singapore, and then I was in Singapore. And at the time, I was running a business unit for Google. And this was all I could have ever asked for. I had this job with prestige. I made more money than I ever really imagined I would make. I had a team. I got to work in multiple offices. I got to be in this far-flung place. All these really amazing things. And I remember, I remember sitting down with my 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 boss my mentor at the time and talking to him about what was next and thinking a lot about really my next promotion because at least for me a lot of what i was always motivated by why i was getting up in the bed i got to bed every morning was to get promoted get promoted make more money lather rinse and repeat so i was having this conversation with my mentor and talking about this next promotion and like, I remember very vividly explaining to him why I wanted to get promoted. He was asking me, like, why? Why do you care so much? And when we really got down to it, I said that I wanted to get promoted really, like, to beat other people to that goal line. And if I didn't beat those other people to that goal line, it was irrelevant to me. And when we reflected back on how I was feeling in my past promotions, what I realized was really every time that I got to that goal line, I felt nothing. You know, I was so excited, so passionate, so focused on getting to that place. And then all of a sudden, absence. All of a sudden, I was in limbo again. And I had to create this new goal, this new external focus, this new external stimuli to drive towards. And ultimately, at 30, I was tired of doing it. What, what I realized was this hamster wheel I was on wasn't getting me anywhere at all. I was just going to do the same thing over and over again forever. And so it started me on this journey to try to figure out what truly made my life meaningful. Because if I had focused my entire 20s on trying to win at work, could I focus my 30s on trying to win at life? And what would that mean? So I, I, I remember everything about 
sitting down and having that chat. And it set me on the journey that I'm still working on today. And did your boss at the time, did he encourage you to explore that? Was he thinking, shoot, I, I can't lose this guy? Or was he thinking? Oh, it was so funny. So I like, I remember also very distinctly talking to my boss, my boss's boss, talking to colleagues about my decision to quit when I decided I was going to quit. So I was working at Google. I went and did a project in Ghana and I came back to Singapore and I, and I quit my job. And when I talked to my boss, my boss's boss, I'll explain this in even a better way. There was basically a direct relationship between how supportive you were and how old you were. So the older the person was, the more supportive they were of me going on this journey. They were immediately understanding, oh, you want to try to figure out what would make your life meaningful? You want to try to take a break and take a step back and look at all of this? Great. Like, we're happy to offer you more money. We're happy to give you a different title. But if that's what you want to do, go do that. But when I would talk to my peers or uh, people who were sort of fresher into Google or talk to people who I didn't work with but were maybe my friends in life, a lot of them had a harder time understanding it because we had all had this same focus. We'd all had the same perspective. We'd all had these goggles on that made us, made us think of life in a certain way. So why would you ever leave this job with this money in this place? Why would you do that? So it's so funny to think back to how universal it was that those who I looked up to, those who I respected, those who were older, you know, they really and truly were all okay and supportive of this journey that I was going to go on. And do you find that was everybody else in your peer group also in a similar place? Or were there were there some people that had sort of got to this place and figured this out earlier? Or was everybody just sort of heads down, I want to win at work for the year? Oh, there were lots of people who figured this out way quicker than I did. I don't know if they went through the same journey. It might have just been innate for them. It might have been a discovery they made earlier. But even now, I can reflect on my friends who maybe went and became ski bums, right? And live in a ski town and work in a ski resort. And they seem, and they've always seemed happier, like they have lives that are more meaningful than some of my contemporaries who've been grinding away at work. Sometimes I would tell myself, and I think lots of us do this, but I would tell myself there was only one true path. Right? There's only one story here that makes sense. And that story is the story I believed my whole life. Go to work, work hard, journey on. And when I started to look around, you know, it was clear that there was so much more going on. But it was hard to look around for a lot of that time, right? Because I'm basically climbing this mountain. And so it's stage one. When you look around, you you don't really see anything. It's not till you get to the top that you can really look around and and see that there are other people on higher peaks. You know, there are other people who've taken totally different journeys. There are other people just where you are, and they didn't take the same route at all. So it took me a long time to figure out that there were other paths, and that maybe the mountain I was climbing was the wrong wrong mountain in the first place. Okay. Right. So that led you to a trip to Ghana. I believe. Right. So I went to Ghana. It was actually the last project I did at Google. Okay. So I was lucky to get to go uh, on secondment there. And we worked on a project to deploy internet infrastructure in Ghana. Google and its infinite wisdom looked at the Ghanaian market, thought, hey, there's you know, a real opportunity for us to do something here. And one thing we can do is deploy fiber cables. So we went around Ghana and helped people understand how they could use Google and YouTube and all of these things to make their lives better because now they were going to have this high-speed internet. And while I was was there, you know, I had a couple moments that 
really pushed me over the edge in my decision making to leave Google. And one of them was we're on the way to this uh, voodoo ceremony. So it was me and a couple other Google employees, Googlers, who were in Ghana. And we had sort of talked about things we could do while we we're there. And really, only two of us of maybe the 20 Googlers who were there had any interest in this voodoo ceremony. So we found a guide, got in his car, drove out to the bush. And the voodoo ceremony itself was cool, right? A whole different story for a whole nother time. But the thing that was impactful that has stuck with me is talking to the guide about my life, saying that I was feeling unmoored from my goals, that I was going to quit Google. And this guide sort of couldn't believe this, right? But I asked him what motivated him in life. Why does he get up and be a guide every day? You know, why does he get up and do what he does? He told me that for him, his focus has always been about either doing something that he loves or doing something for the people that he loves. This idea really stuck with me. Work on something that you love or work on something to support the people that you love. And it's not necessarily the principles that everyone should orient their life around or that I should orient around, but it was it was the summation of a journey that was so different than mine. Because that's not how I'd focused my life at all. Right? I was going to win at work. What did I care about the other stuff? So to hear someone's such someone's thoughtful, concise statement about how they live their life, it really helped drive me to try to figure out this new path. So you're starting to piece these things together. There was something, some sort of discomfort that you were feeling at Google. You met this guide and you're starting to say, oh, here, here's a principle or an idea that gravitates. Were you capturing these anywhere? Or was it just like, I'm going to park this thought, I'm going to park this idea or in your mind, were you like, oh, this is a foundational thing that is going to be the basis of something? I don't know what yet. How are you or organizing that info? Yeah, I've always been a very fastidious note taker. I try my absolute best, whether enabled by technology or not, to write down everything and anything that is interesting to me. And so I've always, always done that. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten also a lot better at, at journaling and trying to do more free writing because I think it's a nice opportunity to, to reflect. So at this time, I was really just writing stuff, writing stuff down. But I was still unsure of where I was going to go. I, you know, I was the youngest person in my my job spec at Google in the in the world, right? So, part of me was still dragging me to this place of, okay, well, I should just, I should really just keep on this journey. What happened was, I I got back to Singapore. I decided I would quit. And then, as I was thinking about this new journey, I would go on. And keep in mind, I quit with no plan. And this never really made sense to me that I would look forward to this idea of quitting and then going and lying on a beach. Absence of stimuli, the absence of things to do, that didn't feel like the path to the dream or the vision that I had. Because right? this dream and this vision was to figure out what would make my life more meaningful. And so for me, after I quit, I started to do a lot of reading and started to try to assemble some tools that would help me figure this out, what would make my life more meaningful. And this was after you quit? This was after I quit. This so is... I quit without this plan. I quit thinking that I'll figure this out. One thing I've always told myself, this is for better or for worse, is that I'll figure it out. So I quit and I thought, I'll figure it out. I packed up my bag, I'm like packing up my bags in Singapore because you can't stay in Singapore. I'm not from Singapore. So quitting is also the expiration of my visa packing up my bags in, in Singapore and decided on this journey that is ahead of me. And I wanted some structure. I wanted some rubric. I wanted some way to be able to evaluate my life going forward. 
because I wouldn't have these same consistent inputs like I had before, but I needed some way to sort through this information. And so as someone who went to Ivy, who was a management consultant, who worked at a tech company for too long, I thought, I'm sure a spreadsheet will help me solve this problem. So I built this big spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet was my way to reflect on my happiness and the meaning in my life. And so I tried to track everything that happened to me every day. So I'd get up in the morning, I'd have some tea, I'd do some meditation, and I'd reflect on my past day. How happy was I? How meaningful was my day? And I'd score myself out of 10. Who did I talk to? What did I talk to them about? What was the weather like? What did I do? Tried to write all these things down. And I went out and lived this life that I hadn't otherwise got to live because I'd been working. So I got the chance to go and be a backcountry ski tour guide in Japan. I love skiing. It's one of those moments where I feel in flow, where I feel like my life has meaning. I got to ski. My friends and I, we bought a 20-year-old Toyota and we drove from London to Mongolia. I got to go do all this stuff. And all this time, I'm filling the spreadsheet. Every morning, filling it out. And after not that long, I started to discover a pattern. And it taught me two principles that were the guiding light of the next phase of my life. And these two things, I don't think they're necessarily so revelatory, but they were important for me to see in the mirror, to see that they were true for me. One of those things was that my life is more fulfilling, I am happier if I am part of or building a community. And as I said, this is, I think, in some ways, a pretty obvious thing. There's lots of studies around human happiness that say one of the most fundamental inputs to your happiness is time with your friends, time with your family, time with loved ones, social time. And I had spent my life trying to win work. So after I left Ivy, I lived in New York, I lived in San Francisco, I lived in Singapore, I lived in Bangkok, I lived in Tokyo, and I lived in Ghana. And this doesn't sound like necessarily the trappings of a person who optimized for community. Okay, so I know community is important to me. And the second thing I learned was that my life is more fulfilling, more meaningful if I take on a big challenge or to steal from Google's parlance if I take on a moonshot. If I focus my energy on trying to imagine a world that I want to live in as opposed to the world I live in today, and this isn't necessarily 5% better or 10% better. It's not about running a marathon faster than I typically would run a marathon. It's instead about some large scale, hard thing, about pushing a boulder up a hill. If I focus my energy on those kinds of things, my life feels more fulfilling. It feels like I'm making a difference. And so I had these two anchors now. I want to be part of or build a community, and I want to take on a moonshot. And those two came out of all of the new experiences and a lot of the tracking that you did? Like, did you did you see somehow through the patterns of your data that the days that you were happiness had happiest had something to do with those things? Yes, like I remember when we were skiing, so I'm working as a backcountry ski tour guide, we lose a group. So we're in the forest in the middle of nowhere in Japan, and we lose a group of people. Like, not a good scenario, right? And it, if it's uh, not otherwise abundantly clear, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> so, you know, other than alerting the nearby staff that we've lost a group, it's not a lot I can do as the, the key interpreter. I mean, we didn't lose my group, to be fair. We lost a group. 
So we have to find this group. So it's myself and three, four other guides, and we're we're doing our absolute best to hunt them, trying to call them. Obviously, we can't get a hold of them. Uh, they're with a guide, so we know they're at least with somebody. And we end up, you know, setting up this big perimeter, you know, searching the forest. You know, it's 5 p.m., it's 6 p.m., it's 7 p.m. And skiing in Japan is cold, right? You're minus 20, minus 30. Sun is going down. It's not a, it's not a good, good look. Finally, we get a hold of the guy, like crackling phone call. We have this, you know, big printed map out. We're looking at the topography of the area. We're pretty sure where he's going to pop out of this gully. It turns out they went into this gully that they obviously can't get out of. So a couple of us get in a car. We drive an hour and a half away, start climbing up this hill, hoping that they're going to come out of this gully, and we, we find them. And we find them at 9 p.m. So wholly stressful, terrifying, uncomfortable situation. Hopefully we get everyone together, go and have a nice dinner, maybe have some warm ramen and drink some beers and reflect on the day and promise that we'll never lose them again. But when I woke up the next day and I, I filled out my, my spreadsheet, what I noticed was, you know, as silly as this might sound, my life felt very meaningful in that moment. Like I got the chance to participate in something that was truly hard to participate in something that was about community, about you know this group of people that I'd spent weeks with, that I cared about, to work with guys. We worked together as a team to do all this stuff. So this is a you know, small anecdote of the kind of story that led to a score being higher one day. And so I would see these patterns when these things would happen. And because I also took notes, right? It was a journal and a, a spreadsheet. It was easy to start to see these inputs that drove this feeling, this desire for community, this desire to take on a, a big challenge. But had you not given yourself the time to reflect and the space to actually live those experiences, I mean, you, you may maybe you did experience, do things like that before, yeah. but hadn't given yourself the space or time to reflect on it. So only by giving yourself the headspace to do that were you actually having these these insights or these realizations i think that's true and i think it was important for me given my makeup to be able to see it in the mirror as i said earlier it's one thing for me to read a business book or a book about uh, improving my life that tells me these two things i suspect there are lots of other people that have come to that insight and many more but what was truly helpful for me was to be confronted with that right? I, w I was confronted with this idea that these are the thing i have an obvious choice here i can I can take this information that I've been writing down while I've been living my life and do something about it, or I can not. Right. It's like uh, an extreme version of, you know, these strength assessments that people yes. have, or you can sit down, you could sit down in your office and say like, what brings me energy? What drains me energy? What am I good at? What am I not good at? I do every year I look at my calendar and I look at what were the things that I did, either meetings that I take, what traveling did I do? And looking at them, I can I almost get an emotional response to like, oh, I remember when I got on that flight and did that. Like, I need to do less of that this year. So uh, just to, to jump in really quick, one thing I've been working on since I, I left my job in this past February in 2019 was this idea of the full body yes. It's actually the full body F yes, but I'm not going to swear. So the, the, the full body yes, right? And so this idea of a full body yes, and the reason I bring it up is I think it relates very well to that feeling you were expressing, right? Of like, oh, it's like, you know, I, oh, that was just a not good experience. So I think sometimes for me in my life, 
I've always looked at things with my brain first. I want to look at these problems and these scenarios that I'm in and reflect back with my brain. And that's only really one part of how our body thinks. We have neurons in our gut and our heart is, plays a hugely meaningful role in the way that we think and the way that we react. So this idea of the full body yes is trying to reflect on and trying to tap into understanding how your gut reacts to things and how your heart reacts to things. Because that feeling like, oh, that's not a head feeling, right? Your posture even changes when you make that, uh, make that feeling. Uh, and so better understanding this, this, this full body yes has been very important in you know, this next journey that I'm on to try to understand, okay, well, what really gives me energy? I can have some base principles in place, but I wanna understand what gives me energy. And I think to go through that exercise, you know, my estimation for me at this point in my journey, it's not just about my head. That's sort of been the next part of my understanding of myself. It's actually about my head, it's about my heart, it's about my gut, it's about my, my whole self. And trying to figure out how to see the signals from my gut and my heart, because I feel like I've been trained only to see the signals from my head. Right. So we haven't even talked about where it led you. I mean, you, you probably typically start some of these conversations with uh, previous roles and what you'd most recently done. But I, I wanted to dig into how you made that transition because I mean, you've done some phenomenal things since leaving Google. But the to do that self work to put yourself in a position to go without really knowing what the next thing was. I mean, frankly, a lot of the other guests that we have on, there's stories of how they mitigated the risk, how they started as a side hustle, one foot in one world, one foot in the other, or they mitigated the risk by finding the right founding partner and de-risking the team. Yours Those are all was, people much smarter than I am, I suspect. Yours is totally, <laughs> yeah. totally different. Um, so it's just re-emphasizing to me that like, gosh, everybody's journey is just so totally different. For sure. Uh, though I will say part of my understanding of my life is that everything I will ever go through, someone else has already gone through. I mean, every feeling I'll have and every success I'll have and every failure, someone else has gone through that. And it's been very important for me to try to find those people and try to read and learn from all the experiences that have happened before me. So you uh, ended up doing that self-work. You did end up, I'm, I'm paraphrasing hugely because I know there's a massive part of the story here, but you uh, ended up in the cannabis space. I did. There's a, a massive story in between that a lot of other people have touched on in previous interviews. So Google Alan Gertner and you'll, you'll see the full story. But the story of founding uh really you you had this bold you created this vision and i love the way that you phrase it to me in the past was you envisioned a world where cannabis was going to be it was going to grow there was an opportunity or a moment in uh, that canada seized uh thank goodness at least for now you knew that retail was going to be a part of it you knew that brand was going to be a part of it and so you positioned yourself nice and early as a brand in the space and went on to found a company called Tokyo Smoke, which eventually you, when did you, you sold it to Canopy? So we sold it to Canopy, uh, the deal closed September 2018. So basically a year now. Okay. So sold it for a healthy sum, Be, went on to become the chief retail officer of Canopy Growth Corporation. Yeah. And then you left. Yeah. Can you help me understand again because this is like okay alan 
has done his exploring. He knows what's important. He's done this self-work. And now it's like, but surely now there's smooth sailing and everything. <laughs> he'll just be the head of retail of the biggest uh, cannabis company in this exploding industry. Um, and yet a few months in, you ended up leaving. So it, it didn't surprise me, but help me understand that thought process for why you left again. Worth acknowledging, I've been very lucky on this journey. We had a specific thesis of our business and you know we worked very hard but a lot of things fell our way. And in September, you know, Canopy closed on buying our business. And Canopy, as you sort of mentioned, is the largest cannabis company in the world. It's this company that Canada birthed, which is truly unbelievable. Upwards at some point of a $30, $40 billion company. We were incredibly lucky to become part of that business. I was became the chief retail officer and spent you know, just over half a year working there. I think a big part of why I left was going through a similar process of reflecting that I went through a couple years ago. I had a couple exercises that were very helpful for me, not so dissimilar from the wisdom I had got from a mentor in the past or the spreadsheet that I had built to start to focus my direction. One of the things I remember doing in the past couple of months was sitting down with the spreadsheet again and reflecting on the past five years of my life, how I feel today and how I want to feel in five years. And if you imagine that there are 10, 20, 12, you know, number of parts that are drivers to the makeup of a person, maybe it's your emotional energy or your spiritual energy, maybe it's your financial independence, your living environment, and you score those things. Oh, scored these things out of 10. I clearly like scores out of 10 and spreadsheets. So I scored all of these things. I scored all these in five years ago before I went on this journey. I scored all these things today. This is you know in January this past year, maybe December last year. And I scored all these things five years now. And each time I'm writing to try to explain the, the difference, right? Why I scored from eight or why do I remember my financial independence feeling like an eight five years ago? What was funny about going through that exercise was you add all these things up. So let's imagine it's 10 things out of 10. So the score's out of 100. My score went down relative to five years ago. What? I couldn't, I sort of couldn't even believe it. But part of why that was a very useful exercise for me was in recognizing things that I knew, which is that maybe my financial independence went from an eight to a nine. It's not like I felt constrained in the first place. I've never wanted to buy a Ferrari anyways. These are not the drivers of my happiness and my motivation. And there's so many studies out there that say money beyond a certain level inhibits your happiness anyways. And these other things, maybe my emotional energy, my score had gone way down because I had got back into the routine of trying to win at work. But I, I did. We built this business. I put my head down and I worked. My superpower or or at least the superpower that I'm most in touch with, is that I have no FOMO. I, as a person, put me in a dark room, give me a project to work on, I'm there. And so that three, four years, it disappeared because I worked. And I was focused on our vision. I was focused on our purpose. And I believed in our purpose. Maybe unlike before, I had this purpose that I believed in. And we were truly doing this thing I believed in. This big challenge that was about community, I believed in it. But when it came down to it, I still ignored the seven other parts of my person or eight other parts or 20 other parts or whatever it was. And so my score was down. And looking at that, I again had this moment. Well, I have a choice here. I can do something about this or I cannot. And unlike in some ways other parts of my life, 
I have no excuses now. I've ticked those boxes that I wanted to tick. No, I put that money in my pocket. And so I have to really, in in this scenario, I have to really, really look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm not going to do anything about this just because I don't want to. That's just not who I am. So it was another chance to go on a journey of discovery, to try to figure out who, who I want to be for the rest of my life, or at least the next phase of my life, and to do the work. So do you have, uh, you've been through this transition a few, few times, huge transitions. Yeah. For you, you say um, money wasn't a huge motivator. You ha- Never There's was. like this level of enough, and then you get sure. to enough, and then anything more, you said it went from an eight to a nine, so it didn't hugely change anything. No, totally. And I don't think that's unique to me at all. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the one, of, one of the most amazing things about being part of Ivy and graduating from this place is, you know, the world is your oyster in some ways. And I think very quickly you discover that all of these challenges that you thought were ahead of you in terms of making your life work, a lot of them you achieve pretty quickly. Yeah. So what work do you recommend 20-somethings do now? Or what advice do you have? Because it, is it is it, you know what, for the first 10 years, you just need to put your head down and do the work first? Or is it do the self-work before you put your head down and do the work? Yeah, good question. One, I generally don't have any advice because I like I don't know, right? And as I said earlier, and I truly believe it, I, I worked hard, but I also got very, very lucky. What I can say is the self-reflection, understanding yourself, being willing to look yourself in the mirror and acknowledge your flaws, acknowledge the parts about you that you don't like, the parts you do like. One way or another, you're stuck with yourself. So you can layer on all these distractions, which I have been someone who has done. I've layered all of these goals on top of myself so I could focus on those goals and not focus on me. And in in my journey, those problems, that suffering, it's gotten harder to deal with, not easier as I've gotten older. And so it's I'm incredibly grateful that I get to go through this journey now because there are lots of people who go through this journey when they retire. I'm grateful I get to do this now, but I also will recognize for myself, and hopefully this is helpful for others, I don't think I needed to not have a job, to quit, any of those things to go through this journey. There are lots of bite-sized ways to do reflection, to do the work, to understand yourself, to work through that suffering that exists with all of us that I could have done along the way as opposed to having to having to confront such an abrupt change. I'm lucky with the journey I've been on, I'm very happy to be in the place I, I am, but I recognize that I, I could have done those things and it maybe would have made my journey different. Yeah, I like that you recognize in the beginning, I, there's some, I don't forget who said it, but never speak from advice, only speak from experience. So I Agreed. appreciate that you're bringing your own experience <laughs> yeah. and it's hard to give generic advice for anybody. Totally. In closing here, is there anything, um, what are you focused on now? Do you know what's next? You've done some of this. You've done the self-work. Do you know what's next in the chapter or is it it's still TBD? Yeah. I have One, I recognize I have lots of self-work left to do. Okay. I think that will be a journey I will be on my whole life. In terms of what's next for me, you know, I admit I don't, I don't know exactly yet. What I've started to narrow in on is a bit of a better understanding of what my purpose is. I don't know if this will be the purpose of my whole life, but my purpose today. And I've started to refine this idea with time that what a big part of what drives me and the difference I think I can make given who I am 
is that I want to help bring new perspective or bring perspective to people's lives. That's a big part of why I was always excited about working at Google and this company that really could bring information, bring ideas to people all over the world to try to help democratize information in a way that could and did change the world. Part of why I loved working in cannabis was you know, it's an incredibly safe and cheap doorway to a new perspective. Not saying it's perfectly safe, but relative. And as I've gotten older and I have more time, you know, the things that give me energy, understanding the world of meditation and sound baths and uh, holotropic breathing and all of these things that fascinate me, a big part of why they give me energy and they fascinate me is because I think they can help us understand ourselves and the world better. And I think in some ways more than any other time, we live in a time where we are becoming more myopic. And if I can try to bring perspective to people, to the world in some way, and I would be honored for that to be the purpose of the next phase of my life. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for sitting down and spending the time. And uh, if, you're, if you've got a filter now for the things that you say heck yes to, the fact that you made the trip in and are sitting here to have this conversation means that it's important to you and it's uh, really important to me. So I appreciate you making the time. It's my pleasure. Time. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit ivy.ca forward slash entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.